Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that move, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and we are talking offensive line as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 250. 250, that's crazy to say. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with one of my favorite offensive line guys, really in the entire media, and that's Brandon Thorne. You can follow him on Twitter, at Brandon Thorne NFL, and Brandon does a lot of great work, you know, really for a number of different platforms, but really one of the best offensive line evaluators, and you're talking about people that can break down trench warfare, and that's the name of his podcast. Brandon Thorne, one of the best at it. And when you talk about guys that can look at the pro linemen, college linemen, talk about traits that matter, traits that don't, what is most important? This is a conversation. We're going to cover it all in that talk. And it's a conversation, actually, that we had just about a year ago this week, and I held it for this week exactly because this is going to be the third annual Offensive Line Mastermind Summit down in Frisco, Texas. It's hosted by Lane Johnson and his trainer, Duke Mannyweather, and, and this is just a really cool event. I was I was really happy enough to go down there last year and learn so much from some of the top linemen in the NFL, some of the top college linemen in the NFL. They all get into one room and really just kind of talk shop. Everything from game week, practice habits, recovery, everything surrounding not just being an offensive lineman, being an NFL player, being a professional athlete. There was so much that was talked about over a three-day span. Really, really, really loved that experience last year. Obviously, with everything going on in the country this year, I could not attend this year's event, but really, really excited to kind of talk with Brandon. We're just we're going to spend a lot of time just talking about trench warfare, but excited to go back down next year for 2021, as long as Duke will have me, to go back to next year, the fourth annual O-Line Mastermind Summit. It grows each and every year. Such a cool event. Again, kind of spearheaded by Lane Johnson. We talked about it with him on the show a couple of weeks ago. Really, really fired up for this conversation, though, here with Brandon. It's time now for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, really excited to be joined this week by a guy that I've known for a long time and is one of the best in the business when it comes to evaluating offensive linemen, uh, whether it's college, NFL, projecting guys to the league. Uh, I always appreciate the opinion of Brandon Thorne. Brandon, welcome to the Eagle Island Sky podcast, man. Absolutely, Fran. Thanks a lot for having me on. All right, so we're going to talk all about uh, trench warfare today. Yeah, and we'll talk, talk a little bit about uh, offensive linemen and just what matters most for guys to have NFL success. And uh, I guess when you're getting ready to sit down to watch a guy for the first time, and we'll talk about this from a college standpoint first, obviously, uh, season's in the rearview mirror. We're looking ahead to the NFL draft. Uh, with a college guy in mind, you're getting ready to sit down and watch him for the first time. What are, what are the things that you're looking for? What, are, what is going through your mind that, at that stage of the process when you're first sitting down to watch them? Yeah, so I think the first thing that I like to do is look at the background of the player. I usually go to you know the team website and just Google and just go through a few pages of Google and just see if I can find any feature pieces on them, anything like that, so I can learn about his background. Mm. 
you know, I love seeing guys who are, you know, really high-level high school athletes, you know, different sports, basketball, whatever, baseball, wrestling, of course, for line play is always, sure. you know, that usually translates pretty well. Yeah. Um, even a guy like, you know, Tristan Wirfs this year, he's a high-level, like, discus shot put guy. Just seeing stuff like that, learning about their background, learning if they were heavily recruited or not, um, and just sort of what their high school career looked like. And then um, just, uh, you know, I, I always like to – um, gather how many starts that the guy has the different types of systems is a big thing mm. that i always like to look at Interesting. Okay. their coaching staffs um, just to see what sort of a run game that they were in um, as opposed to just that previous year you know so sometimes guys have been in two three systems so you get to you know look back and even see you know film on uh, uh them having to do different things so i think that always helps uh, an evaluation is to gather that context before you even watch them and um you know, as soon as you put on the tape, I think, well, you know, as far as the tape that you have, if you have access to everything, then ideally you want to start. I mean, I'd like to go start to finish. You know, I like to go in successive order if possible and watch as many films as I can. Um, but if you had to pick just four or five, of course, you want to see the highest competition. Yeah. Uh, definitely want to see in a way, in a home you know, type of environment um, on the road is always, you know, important to see, I think. Um so, yeah, I mean, I think as far as tape goes, that's that's kind of how I approach it. And then when I'm watching them on film, you know, it varies a little bit between guard, tackle, center. But I think there's critical factor traits that translate across offensive line play in general. And, you know, I think the, the five ones that I look at are, you know, mental processing or, or awareness. Um, I think that's really important. You can see that in the past game if they're, you know, how they handle stunts, how they how they recognize blitzes, how they react to that. Are they, you know, maintaining levels with the guy next to them? I think that's really important, spatial awareness. Um, and that's kind of, you know, based on how quickly they see things. Uh, and then in the run game, you know, of course, uh, how quickly are they coming off combo blocks or overtaking? Um, you know, are they helping at the correct time and things like that? Uh, so mental processing is a big one, I think. And um, that kind of bleeds into play speed which is really how fast they execute their assignment. Mm -hmm. So I Does think that start from like snap. You're looking like how they get off the ball. And yeah, that's that's where it starts for sure. I, I like to look at guys stances and just see if it's functional for them. If they look, you know, kind of uncomfortable or comfortable, um, if it's consistent. Um, a lot of times you see guys, you know, I don't want to say a lot, but I'd say it's it's more um, common than you would think is a guy's stance changes uh, over the course of a game. and you don't really want to see that because not only from a functionality standpoint, but also defenders are keying on things like mm -hmm. that. So you want to see an offensive lineman like have the same stance every time. I think that's really important and then for it to be functional. And then, of course, how they come out of the stance is critical, especially in pass protection for a tackle. Um, you've seen time and time again these tackles that have a false step coming out of their stance out of, you know, in college. I think of like Jason Spriggs, Colton Miller, um, Jack Conklin, Eric Flowers, uh, even though Conklin, you know, had a couple good years, but it's it hurts him a lot even to today, especially against elite competition off the edge. I think uh, the false step thing is, is really a, a tough thing for guys to overcome. So that's really important. And that, you know, dictates how fast they play the game, um, how quickly they can get to their set point. So that's that has to do with play speed. Um, and uh, so, you know, those two things I think are really, really important. Play strength, of course. As an offensive lineman, you have to be strong. I mean, 
there's guys that can get away if you're you're just a special athlete and you're you really play with outstanding leverage you can sort of compensate for that like a Jason Kelsey or something like that but even Kelsey is pretty powerful um, I think so uh, play strength is I think really important um, and what else uh, competitive toughness of yeah, course sure. you know that's that's huge how well they uh, how consistent they are over the course of four quarters um, that's why I like to see successive games on college tape is, you know, to see are they playing as hard as they did week one and week eight? You know, are they playing as hard as they, you know, can against elite competition as opposed to just, you know, you know, just a kind of a, you know, a, a pancake type or, you know, just like a soft, you know, opponent or whatever. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's really important. And I think that those traits, you see all the good offensive linemen that were around and that we see on film and everything. I mean, those are the things that translate. So I think those traits uh, really stand out. And then there's position-specific stuff, hand usage, um, how they are in certain running concepts as far as a run blocker, you know, drive blocking, power blocking, man blocking, or zone, space blocking, um, pass pro, and then their anchor. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of all the things that I like to run through when I watch offensive linemen on tape. It's a lot. There's a lot, a lot of stuff there, which is which is really good, and I'm glad that you kind of rolled out uh, those critical factors first, just so we can kind of get the most important stuff uh, really just uh, into the discussion early. I, I think really, to me, and I kind of go back and forth on this is, you know, you you look at competitive toughness, you look at play strength, mental processing, all of them are critical. Is there one that's kind of like a a red line you won't cross where it's like I, I this guy's got to have it it's non-negotiable he has to have a high a, a certain amount a requisite amount of this one trait I think play speed is is really the biggest thing and that doesn't really you know so I think play speed is a function of athletic ability and mental processing it's how well those things come together because you could be a really good athlete and not recognize right. stuff as quickly and then so you know you're not going to play the game as fast and then vice versa you could be an okay athlete, but mentally you're extremely sharp. You play really efficiently and you could play faster. So I think play speed, how well that they can execute their assignments, how quickly they can execute their assignments, I think is critical. And I mean, you know, you see so many different types of body types and players succeed in the NFL, even at the highest level. I mean, the best center in the game lately, in my opinion, has been Travis Frederick. He's also the worst athlete in the game, mm -hmm. um, combine-wise. Mitchell Schwartz is the best right tackle in the game. He's the worst athlete in the NFL at right tackle. Um, if you're judging by combine, right. um, they had really poor combines. So I think, um, you know, it, it, they, they come in all different shapes and sizes. Uh, so, you know, you really have to watch the film and see how quickly they're executing their assignments and if they're efficient or not. What, is there an, an area that, you know, we've talked about the, <clears throat> the, the factors that are most important. Is there one that you feel uh, gets talked about in the media maybe more than, you know, you would expect it to or more than you feel like it should? I mean, you and I are both uh, obviously – you know, pretty active on Twitter. You do so much with whether it's with the Scouting Academy, whether it's with Duke Manyweather and the O line masterminds, the athletic, uh, very, very involved uh, with offensive line critique. Is there a factor that you feel gets played too much? I think athletic ability for mm -hmm. sure. Um, you know, I mean, it's more important to tackle, obviously, than the interior. So, but even then, ideally that's what you want you know you want the great athlete out there you want the Teron Armstead Tyron Smith Trent Williams it's just those guys are so rare so I, I think uh, if a guy just has that as his primary attraction you know if if uh 
uh, guys talking about his athletic ability more than anything else. Like, right. I'm not really attracted to that guy typically because I like I like to hear that as like maybe his third or fourth, you know, mm -hmm. most attractive thing. Um, just because that doesn't really that doesn't block anybody, you know it. That's not going to block anybody. I mean, you have to have good footwork. You have to have a strong base. Um, that's where it all starts from the ground up. So, you know, I, I forgot who mentioned it. It might have been Paul Alexander on your pod. He talked about a guy can have really quick feet or he can have really good feet. There's right. two different things. Yep. And I think that that was a really cool point that I think is evident on film. There's a lot of guys that don't have necessarily quick feet, but they're very efficient. There's no false steps. And they always have a strong base when they're using their hands. Um, so I think that that's, that's where it all starts. And um, that's, what sh that's what should be the focus over just pure speed or quickness of a guy's feet. What's the most important athletic trait for an offensive lineman? Athletic trait? I would say probably just initial explosiveness. Mm. I mean, ideally, I think you want a guy to be really quick and sh short area quickness, SAQ. I mean, that's, I think that's really, really important when you have a guy like that because really they only have to be quick in that little kind of that little box that they play in. Um, so just sheer physical trait, I think uh, initial explosiveness and short area quickness are probably my biggest things that I look at. When, uh, when you're watching guys and um, – you know, you're trying to project them to the NFL. You know, a lot of the, one of the buzzwords you hear so much is, "He's good with his hands. He's got great hands. He uses, he knows how to use his hands." What does that look like? And in your opinion, how important is that? When obviously it's important for success, but how important is that in the overall evaluation in terms of like, hey, can a guy improve that? If he might he might not have good hands right now, but we teach them how to do this. Now we're now we're cooking with gas. Where does that kind of stack in, in your mind? To me, hand usage is huge. Yeah, I, I think it's really important. I don't know how often I've seen guys develop hands from you know any significant level. I mean, I don't know. I, I, again, it starts with your feet. So if you have a guy who plays with a strong base, who doesn't, who has good weight distribution. He's not leaning a lot. You know, he's not getting too wide, too narrow with his feet. Chances are that type of guy, you can make his hands better because mm. um, that's really where it starts. So, yeah, you know, for hands, I think the guys who have the best hand usage in the league, they play with the strongest bases uh, consistently. You, you, you really can't block anybody just with your hands if your feet aren't in the proper position. So it's kind of that, you know, you have to have one before the other there for sure. So, um, but just generally, hand usage is, is so important, especially in today's game with defensive linemen. I mean, they're working their hands like, you know, they're Donald, uh, Aaron Donald's basically like a martial artist mm. out there. Um, and a lot of these guys are. I mean, Joey Bosa. Wait, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're just phenomenal with their hands. So if you can't match that to a certain degree, you're going to be in trouble. Um, so, you know, independent hand usage is really big, not just two hand striking guys. You can't do that anymore, really. I mean, unless you're. Going against a bigger guy like, you know, if you watch the guys who have success against guys like J.J. Watt or um, just those bigger type of rushers, even on the interior, we hear, you know, we hear about it all the time. If, if you have a guy on the interior who's a, a great bull, bull rush guy, um, you want to be able to get your hands on him quickly. Um, so then you can do, use the two-hand strike and stuff like that. But if you're on an island as a tackle, unless you're facing a really big edge rusher, which there isn't a lot of them anymore, 
um, you're really going to have to have independent hand usage and to be able to vary your strikes and have have some um, some variance there. Mm. You know, I think that that's important. You can't just you can't really use your hands the same way every time. You have to have at least a, a couple ways to mix it up, um, especially in the NFL when you're talking again. You're talking about like top level competition. That right. You, you have to be able to do that. I think to succeed. Yeah, I think that's what I find to be really so fascinating about it is you know you think back and. You know, you might watch hard knocks in the summer or, you know, you go to training camp or you watch any team practice. You know, you see offensive linemen hitting the sled, two hands, two hands, two hands. In the game, like, it, it's not clean. You're often not striking a guy that's immediately right in front of your face. Like, it, it's tough to kind of to mimic that in, in a practice setting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I I mean, that's really for run blocking. Yeah, you know, the, sure. The, the sled and, you know, that that's a different story different altogether. Deal, yeah. But with – the, the way that the game's trending, I mean, obviously running is becoming less and less uh, frequent. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of getting – I don't want to say it'll ever, ever be phased out. I hope not. I mean, that's kind of – that's a big portion of how offensive linemen can make their money and impose their will on, on defenders because most great pass rushers, you know, they're going to wear down if you run the ball on mm-hmm. them. I mean, they don't want to take on deuce blocks or anything like that. I mean, they, they don't want any part of that usually. So – um, yeah, but so you know that's that's kind of another thing is the run blocking aspect of the position, which is really uh, kind of dying a little bit. But it's still out there, and I think it still can be very effective um, if a team can run the ball well. I still think there's a lot of merit to it, even though a lot of the analytics may may suggest otherwise. I think uh, when it comes down to it, um, people don't want that that physical nature that you know guys imposing their will on them all game. Um, consistently like that, so I think that that uh, plays a big part of it. But, but yeah, in the run game, you can certainly use uh, more brute force, you know. But as far as a pass protector, you know, I, I know generally guys don't want to say um, pass protection is is passive by any means, even though there's a lot more of an athletic, um, you know, element to it. Um, you can certainly make it more physical. I know Teron Armstead is a good example of that. He's a very physical pass protector. So if you can, but I mean, it really starts with his feet, his ability to get out there in closed space on wide nine techniques and go seven techniques and things like that. And kind of, you know, he wants to turn all of those wide alignments into a tight five. Yep. That's kind of his goal. And uh, he has the feet and the, and, and not just the quickness, but the efficiency in his feet to do that. So you can really sort of make it a more physical um, exchange if you if you have those really efficient feet I think and you can utilize jump sets to your advantage then it, be, it could become much more of a physical thing um, and certain offensive linemen really really do want to do that so um, it's interesting the different ways that you can go about it I mean we see success I think you know Joe Thomas Mitchell Schwartz they're not super physical you know as pass protectors but um, they win at a high level, and then you got a guy like Teron Armstead, who he's he's very physical, and he wins at a high level. So, and and there's other examples as well. So there's there's a lot of different ways to to go about it. I think as an offensive lineman. So for people at home that are going to be watching uh, these offensive linemen coming out of college, going to the NFL, and they're trying to figure out who are the guys that are going to find success, who are the guys that are going to stick and la- and last a long time. I want to ask you about some things, and we'll start on the positive side. What are the the little things? You know, you talked about the critical factors, and the, and they're so important. 
are there some little things, little telltale signs that, um, you know, maybe just based off of your teachings and, you, and the, your experiences in the past that you look for that it's like, oh, man, like, all right, this guy can do this. That really sticks with me as something that I feel is going to ha- help him find long-term success. Yeah, the first thing I think of is, you know, I love seeing offensive linemen on tape when they get initially beat. Mm-hmm. I really want to find those reps and find as many as I can because I want to see how they recover. Okay. And that's so you're talking about in in play, so they get beat off the ball, how they immediately recover, or yeah, you're talking about how yeah, they recover if, on the next snap. Yeah, in the in the same rep. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Got so it. you know, on the same rep, if they get initially beat, how are they going to recover from that? Um, and I think of if a guy gets beat to the outside as a tackle, generally athletic ability is going to come into play then. Mm. The ability to mirror him up the arc and get him pushed past the po- push past the pocket. Um, but inside is really, I think you can really tell a lot on a guy um, how they get beat to the inside. And really, I think you have to use your feet and your hands um, to to be able to regain leverage. Uh, how guys, how guy, how a guy can manipulate leverage. I think is is critical to the position um, because, and really you do that with your hands. Uh, mm-hmm. I think to a large degree, uh, being able to reset, replace, or re-leverage your hands on a guy is huge. I mean, um, and you see guys like Zach Martin. I think he's a master at that. Uh, you you watch him against Aaron Donald and guys like this who who are just absolutely phenomenal with their hands. I mean, Zach Martin is so good at. It's not like he you know shuts a guy down you know initially every time. I mean. He'll get initially beat several times, but at the end of the rep, he wins it because he's so good at being able to get his hands back into the frame of the defender when he initially gets knocked away. Um, So I think being able to re-leverage your hands into a guy is is huge. Um, And a lot of that has to do with the mobility of the player. Um, That's a big thing for me, having Mm. sort of a – background in kinesiology and personal training and stuff like that. I, I love to look at a guy's ankles, knees, and hips and to see how they bend and really their mobility, which is strength through the range of, strength through full range of motion is what mobility means. So, the, you know, how, how functional though they are able to be in those three joints, I think is, I mean, people call it triple extension, like as a defensive lineman. You know, I, I know a lot of defensive line coaches are, are like, how does he triple extend? How does he triple extend? And that's really the the ability, you know, with your ankles, knees, and hips to extend at the same time explosively. Um, and, you know, for offensive linemen, a lot of it is flexion, you know, getting into your stance, being able to flex and bend. And then chances are if you're able to get into a good stance and you're able to flex and bend your ankles, knees, and hips, you're able to extend them as well in an explosive manner. A lot of that has to do with run blocking, but um, – you know, the extension part, but the flexion part, I think that helps when you're engaged with the guy, a defender, and you're able to maintain a low pad level, um, which is usually a product of your ankles, knees, and hips, right. and how low your pads are getting. Um, I think that's huge. So I really like looking at a guy's pad level, his lower half, um, that can really determine like up and down leverage. And then hands are, uh, Aaron Taylor taught me this, um, you know, pad level is up and down leverage, hands are left and right leverage. Mm. So there's two different leverages that you're working at, you know, while you're engaged with the defender. So I always like to see when you're engaged with a guy in pass pro, especially like how are you u- utilizing those leverages up and down, left and right to your advantage. Um, and I think that that really can tell you a lot about a guy, you know, how he's going to be as a pro. So like when you look at 
the, the flexion, those three joints, is that where, like, when you, when you first start and you're looking at the athletic background, you see the things like, you know, oh, he was a wrestler, he did this, he was a basketball player. Those, start, you know, guys with that kind of athletic background, does that give you a little bit more confidence when you're going in? Like, all right, I should be able to see a guy uh, that has a level of balance and coordination and flexion and things like that in the lower half? Yeah, I think it can. Um, I don't really correlate those usually, yeah. um, but I, I just look at the film, like in their stance, the, a lot of tackles, uh, as an example, um, you know, their back foot, I think if their heel isn't touching the ground, their ankles are usually tight. So you see a lot of guys get into a stance and their heel is up. Um, that just means that really they can't fully bend that ankle. And I think that, that that's just kind of a sign, not that everybody who can't put their heel on the ground isn't going to be a good blocker or a good player, but I think that's kind of a tell. Like maybe his ankles are a little tight and that's going to translate to some other part of his game down the road. Um, or it does in Injury the game. Too, huh? Injuries as well, because a guy, if a guy's tight in his ankle, yep. you know your body's a kinetic chain. So if your ankle's messed up, chances are your knee could get hurt later on. If your knees are bad, chances are your hips later on can be, yeah. and you know just works its way up. So I think that um, yeah, it really starts you know with the feet and the ankles, and you know we hear it with offensive linemen. They say you know my feet and my ankles. I mean those are usually overlooked and tight or. Um, people have problems with those, but if, if uh, a guy has good mobility in those areas, I think that that is really a good recipe for success. But as far as seeing it on film, I think the heel thing is one. And then when, when they're engaged with a defensive lineman and a guy's low, you know, which most defensive linemen are at the point of attack, um, you know, if they're not able to match that leverage vertically, um, then chances are they're probably pretty tight and you can't really see it on one rep yeah. you have to watch game after game rep after rep and you can kind of see sort of a, a trend develop so sure. i think that that's something to look out for for sure all right well let me uh ask you too i mean you mentioned um the the false stepping at the beginning is there anything else that's kind of small like that that uh you're looking for that might be on the negative side it's like man like uh, this is something that I, I, I'm really going to have trouble really grading this guy highly um, because of this one small thing or that small thing. Yeah, if not the false step for a tackle, I think the hands really – I always red flag guys if they're consistently wide with their hands and letting Run guys – pass game or both? Both, both yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if they're not able to get their hands inside of a guy's frame and, you know, whether that be with their timing, if they're late or – uh, usually guys are you know pretty late or they're too early. I mm. mean, if you're too early, you guys are just going to swipe your hands. If you're too late, you know guys are going to be into your frame already, and you know then you're you're kind of screwed at that point. So um, timing, I think, with your hands is huge, especially as a pass protector. Placement in the run game is really really important because if you don't get initial placement in the run game. Um, you know, chances are that guy's going to swim you or, you know, swipe you or whatever. Like, you know, he'll, he'll just get off you really quickly. So initial hand placement, I think, is is really big. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, if you really look closely at guys when they're blocking people, you can see it. I mean, you know, and you can judge it by how the defender is playing him as well. If, if they're able to shed blocks on him a little too quickly or things like that, I mean, their hand placement, um, and you know, I watch a lot of stuff in slow motion too. It takes me a long time to get through a film, but I like to watch a lot of slow mo stuff because I really want to see like where their initial hands are getting on a defender, um, especially in the run game. So, 
yeah, the fall step is huge, but hand usage to me, I'm, I'm kind of a stickler on that. I think more than most, I think that's a, that's a really a big part of uh, being a successful blocker pass and run game. Well, it's a, uh, it's a awesome position. It's a position that I know, you know, honestly, that I feel the least confident in myself in terms of projecting because there are just, you know, in terms of my, my experiences, like I'm trying to learn as much as possible. And you're one of the best at, uh, you know, putting those evaluations out there for people and then also explaining it. Uh, and I think you did that here today. Brandon, really, really appreciate the time here uh, on the Eagle Island Sky podcast, Fueled by Gatorade. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Great stuff there from Brandon. Again, you can follow him just like I do on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show. But the other way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating and leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout out to somebody who did exactly that over the last couple of weeks. And that's I'm Outcast, who went on to our Apple podcast page, left a five-star review saying how much they love the show, wanted me to give them the shout-out, said, hey, my name's I'm Outcast. That's Outcast with a K. You gotta love that name. We really appreciate I'm Outcast for leaving the review, leaving the comment. Thanks so much for listening as you do each and every week. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.